Amen. 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 Yeah. Praise God. He's good. Thank you, Jesus. So glad you're here today. Grateful for you all. You know, um, <laughs> it's so good. God's great. Thanks for joining us online. If you're online with us, it's so good for you to just be able to experience the fullness of God. We tell every week we're not a perfect church or perfect people. You know, just like when the door flies open because the little kid's over there and the lights come flooding and everybody's like, we're singing about this and all of a sudden you're completely distracted. Uh, I, I don't mean it's okay if you weren't, but I was. It's okay. God just calls back. He's like, man, I was like, God, you're so good. Every single week, you're just like, relax. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't he good? So, hey, man, you know, as you look around, I just want you to know that we know who we are. I'm not a perfect pastor. And uh, I, that's not an excuse to make, you know, mistakes or be stupid or anything. It's just a call of God in our life that we are growing more like Christ every day, and he's calling us to surrender, and we all need to. So as I speak this to you, I want you to know that this is a church, and I am a man of God and a pastor and a Christian and all those things you want to call me. I don't care. The main thing is this. I believe that God is the God of all, that God's word is truth, and it is the authority of our lives. And if we don't hold the authority of Scripture, we are in trouble. Because once we remove the authority of Scripture, what authority do we have other than our own? And if we have only our own ideas and authorities, then we're screwed up. All of us. Because we already know that we were screwed up. That's why we came to God in the first place, right? I mean, isn't that why you came? You knew you were screwed up, right? We need God. We need help. And so he's provided that help through Jesus Christ. And God has given us his word, which has been attacked by everyone since the beginning, that it was not God's word, but it is God's word. And it stood every test and it always will because it is the holy anointed scriptures that God has given to us that we might know him learn to be like him, to grow in him, and receive everything he has from us. So we need to make sure, church, that we understand that above all else, it's God. And the way that we understand how we live our lives is God's word. The power of the Holy Spirit always affirms the word of God. He will not affirm anything that's outside of or contrary to the word of God. The Holy Spirit is active today affirming the message and the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. So let's just establish something right here. That above all principalities, above all nations, above all governments, above all human thought is God. And we serve him regardless. And therefore, anything and everything is below him. So we cannot allow a nation, a political government, a people, family members, the church, or anything else to supersede who God is and what he says. And we want to establish that right here, church. We want you to know that we are not here in, uh, in a defiant way at all. We are here to affirm the truth of who God is and what God says. But we also want to be affirmed and be reaffirmed in the fact that we will not compromise that no matter what. And so we stand on the truth of who God is. So we are grateful this week that the Supreme Court ruled to remove that terrible law that was allowing the murder of babies. 
We are grateful, and I am grateful. And it's God's word that we need to stand for the truth. And the thing that it irritates me a lot is the fact that we have take, taken sin and made it a political issue. And because sin has become a political issue, the church has been silent. Because we don't want to be involved in politics. Because we've been brainwashed into thing in the separation of the church and the state. And the fact of the matter is, the church should be leading the way. Not following anything. And therefore, we should be on the front edge of all this stuff, not following behind. And therefore, we have a lot of work to do as a church in praying and asking the Spirit of God to continue to move to make this thing happen, to go away. Because God is giving us an opportunity, church, and we need to understand that this is an open door that God has created. And this nation is hanging by a thread. And it is critically important that we follow through and we take action. I'm not saying let's all go storm the streets. I'm saying let's storm heaven with prayer and do the things that we should do as godly citizens of this nation to affirm the truth of who God is and what he says. No longer being quiet about what has been now made political when it's actually sinful. All right, so whether you agree with me or not, it's God's word. I will stand on that truth, preach that word, and I will proclaim that truth regardless. I just want you to understand where we're at with this. Church, as we look in the word of God, we need to see what God has to say to us. In Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to read some scriptures, and it should enlighten us to know where we are. These aren't the only words that we can look at. We're going to look at these. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things that he detests. We should probably be paying attention right now. This is God's word, and God is giving us a glimpse of something on his I will not tolerate list. Listen to it, church. Haughty eyes. You know what that is? Arrogance. Looking down on others, thinking I'm better. A lying tongue. I think it's, it's interesting that when we read God's word, one of the Ten Commandments is shall not lie. It's probably one of the most common one broken of all the Ten Commandments. And God says he hates it. He detests it when we don't speak truth. Hands that kill the innocent. There you go. God says he hates it, he detests it. Hands that kill the innocent. If you need nothing else to affirm the fact that God is opposed to abortion, that should be pretty clear to you right there. There's many more, but I'm just saying. Hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. I don't know if you noticed here, but we were given a list of seven things that God hates and detests. And right now we've already heard two that have to do with the mouth. A person who sows discord in a family. Uh-oh, there's a third one. Three of the seven things God hates and detests have to do with our mouth. The words that we speak. I think that's pretty hefty. That's pretty strong. And therefore, God is calling us today. And he's always talking to us about this. 
what's coming out of our mouth. God is giving us this opportunity today, church. And he's calling on his people to be his people, that God might move through his people and change some circumstances that will come unless there is a national revival. Because God is a righteous God, and he will not tolerate evil. And therefore, the judgment of God will fall unless there is a transformation that takes place through repentance. And the church itself needs to lead the way with repentance. Because when we look at what God says that he hates, many of the things we just uh, read are happening regularly, not only in our culture, but in our lives. God hates it. So, when he says to us in the scriptures, I, I just, we're going to look at this one aspect of this. Like, I mean, all of them matter, and I just talked a little bit briefly on them, but the thing that really, as I was reading through this, the fact that three of the seven have to do with your mouth, and one of them has to do with the fact that God hates and detests a person who sows discord in a family. And I was looking at that and thinking about what this is all about. We're a family. We are. Church, we are the family of God. God has adopted us into his family. Therefore, the word of God is addressing us as a church. If this is your first Sunday here, I, I don't want you to um, get a wrong idea. But when we say we're not a perfect church or perfect people, we're not making excuses for people to do dumb things and talk about everybody. That's not what's going on. And I'm just looking at what God's saying to us through the Holy Spirit today, and I'm going to tell you that um, we need God. We need God. We need healing in our family. We need healing in our families that go outside of this. Because, see, this, this word is speaking to us as a church, but it's also speaking to us about our family units that we're involved with and part of. Whether you have biological siblings or you were adopted into a family or whatever the case may be, the fact of the matter is God's talking to us and saying that he hates those who would plant and cause discord in the family. So, the fact of the matter is that it's quite easy and natural to cause discord. And it's pretty easy to see what's wrong with you to me. And therefore, it's easy for me to tell someone else what's wrong with you. And when I tell them what's wrong with you, it's not for the fact, even though I may spiritualize it, it's for the fact of trying to make myself feel better about me when I make them feel worse about you. And now as we think about what God's saying, he's like, I don't want anyone planting discord in a family division. I don't want any of that stuff that plants those seeds inside of people because the enemy's the one that causes division, not God. God is a God of unity. God brings things together. God heals and makes well. The enemy is a destroyer. Now, let's listen to what God's word says in Proverbs 26, verses 20 through 23. Fire goes out without wood. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Pretty practical and easy to understand, isn't it? God's word is saying, quit throwing logs on the fire. 
shut up. Bite your tongue. Because the thing that you're saying, you just chucked another piece of wood on there. And if you don't throw the wood on, it's not going to burn. It's going to go out. He said the same way with gossip. Because someone tells you something doesn't mean you need to go tell someone else. A quarrel, we're reading back into scripture. Listen, all right, I'll reread that verse so we go on. A fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or light fire lights wood. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Church, please stop adding wood to the fire. When you tell one person something, you know, it's kind of funny how we, we put the little glaze over the clay pot, right? We're trying to look righteous when we do it. So we're going to just share this with, this is just between me and you. It's just, and, and please understand, it's just for us. I don't want you to tell anyone else. Just me and you, I'm just telling you. And we really need to pray for them. Because you know what I saw them doing this week? I saw them in this place doing this. So I'm like really concerned for them. So would you pray for them? Oh, so God's word says I should go tell that person something about someone else so that we can spiritualize it and pray to get together and agree because Jesus said if two people agree on one thing on earth, it'll be done in heaven. So see, I can spiritualize that and say, wow, man, they need help. So me and you should pray together about what's wrong with them. That's exactly what he's talking about, you know? Like glazing a clay pot and, and using words that really hide a wicked heart? Smooth words. See, I can spiritualize anything and I can make it like it's really spiritual and I'm spiritual and really what I'm doing is I'm praying for that person. I'm not really telling you how jacked up they are. The problem is, see, is like once I tell this person that one thing, they have their one person. And so they're going to go to this person because we're prayer partners too. And we want you to know that they need prayer. And pretty soon, everybody's praying for that one person's problem. Really? No. But everybody knows about that person's problem without even going to them and talking to them about their problem. So we've planted discord in the family. And God says, I hate that. God hates it. What are we doing, church? <laughs> See, the devil's a smooth talker. He's one that always glazes things. You know what the Word of God tells us? That he is an angel of light. He's not a, a standing in a lake of fire. He's going to be judged and go into hell. He's not the king of hell. He's going to be punished by hell. If you would read your Bible, church, you would know that God said he's the one that created hell. And he created hell for the judgment of the devil himself and the demons who were angels that followed him. God said he's going to condemn them and they're going to end up there, but they're not there. And if you read your Bible, you know that the devil's right here on the planet Earth with us. And so are the demons, although some of them are reserved in darkness until God lets them out for a while, which is pretty scary. 
But remember, God's in control, and that's what he tells us. So look at This is God's word. Remember, he's telling us that the, the devil comes an angel of light. So he's wanting to speak a little bit of truth. So he's got that glaze on the clay pot. It looks really attractive, but it's still a clay pot. Yeah. So he speaks these lies using truth. All you got to do is look at the temptation of Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 4, you know, right after the baptism, the Spirit of God leads Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, and the devil comes to him. Now think about this, because the enemy always comes to the flesh. First thing he talks to him about is like turning the rocks into bread, because he's been fasting for 40 days. He's God. He can do anything. Appease your flesh. That's what he always comes to. Go ahead. You can have it. You have the authority. Make that, that rock bread right now. You don't have to wait till you get back to town. You can have food right now. Of course, we know Jesus. You know, he speaks the word of God in rebuke. So what does the enemy do? He doesn't, like, run away. He uses scripture. The second temptation, when he comes back at Jesus, he uses scripture. He doesn't use it correctly, but he speaks truth. Listen, church, because he quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. And this is again, as the enemy comes to us, he tries to appease the flesh. So he says to Jesus, why don't you just go to the highest point on the temple? Everybody's going to see you standing up there and jump. Because the word of God says that he will not allow one of your bones to be broken. He said, therefore, the angels are going to come in and catch you and just set you gently on the ground. And everybody will be like, whoa. See, now, what he said was truth. God's word does say that not a bone of your body will be broken, and that happened. But see, what the enemy was trying to do is appease the flesh, saying, we can get you recognized a lot faster doing it this way through the flesh, and everybody will be like, wow, he's here. Okay, so he quotes scripture. So, like, see what I mean? Like, we can do things spiritually. We can say words that are out of the Bible. That doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean we're doing it right. Doesn't mean we're saying it right. Doesn't mean our actions are right. So, as we're looking at this, he used the word of God wrongly, but he spoke truth, and therefore you and I need to awaken ourselves to the truth of what God says and not the things that we think sound good. Let's go again to James chapter 4 and listen to the word of God. Hear it, church. Don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters. Oh, wait a minute. He's talking to the church. Oh, we're not talking about the politicians. We're not talking about those people in the world. He's talking to the church. Don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? So I have we go step back again. And this I, I laugh when people tell me they don't, understand the bible i'm like first off stop reading the king james because nobody speaks like that secondly look at what god says because it's pretty straight up in what it says to us it's real easy to understand start in the book of james if you're confused you will not be confused it's straight in our face 
Listen to what he's telling us. It's like, look, man, stop looking at everybody else, measuring yourself as something and judging them according to what you think they are or aren't because God's the one that's going to judge everybody and you need to just make sure that you're right with him. We are called to live in obedience, church. Obedience to God in every area of our life. It does not matter anything else. See, like my life, I am held accountable by God and he's the one that sees me. I'm transparent and naked before him. And not only does my life matter, my words matter. And what it says, there are three out of the seven things that he hates is coming out of my mouth. And therefore, I think my words matter greatly to God and they ought to matter greatly to me. Listen to God's word again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy. <laughs> Just set that in, man. Like, do you understand? Listen, church, I'm asking you not to confess to me, but listen to what he just said. God's word says to us, are you living a life in a way that God himself would consider worthy? Are you? Church, like, I mean, he's what matters. You can be accepted by anyone else. It doesn't matter. He's what matters. And so he's saying, are you living a life that God would consider worthy? I'm reading again in the scriptures, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. So the message that God's speaking to us is like, we're, we're not asking you to live what is normal in culture. God's not asking us to live what's normal in your family or in mine. God's not asking us to live even what's normal in your church. He's saying, are you living what's worthy to me? See, because in all those areas, culture, family, church, and everywhere else, like, we can feel like we're good enough. But it doesn't matter because none of those standards matter. It's God's standard that matters. And so if everyone keeps lowering the bar to try and make it where we're all comfortable with who we are and where we are, we're in trouble because God's already established the bar. And if we're not living according to God's standards, we're in trouble. And church, it has to do with what's coming out of my mouth. If we do not measure up to the standard of God, we're lost. And so it doesn't matter what you think what you think you think, what you think you've been taught, or what you think you know. This is again, we go back to and say, do you know what God says in his word? Because see, that's what matters, is what God says in his word. And if the word of God is the authority in all matters, then we need to make sure that our life, my life, is measuring up to what God is saying to me in this moment of my life. We go again back to Titus in the scriptures, verses 15 and 16. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. We're no longer in the Old Testament, right? 
We're in the new. So let's see what God is saying to us, church, right here in the Word of God. He's saying there's people that claim to know God, but their life doesn't know Him. My words matter. Guess what? My life matters. And my life needs to align with my words. Because guess what? My life does align with my words. It's going to come out. This again says that God says it's detestable and people are disobedient when their life doesn't measure up to the word. So now when we look at that again, when God's word tells us everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, that doesn't mean because I'm right with God, I can just go do anything I want to. He's saying because your heart's pure, that means you're in right relationship with God. That means you're doing what God wants you to do, not doing what self wants to do. We're living right. Therefore, it's pure because it is pure. Life is amazing. God is amazing, and he has full life for us. And therefore, when we're walking with him in obedience, it's amazing. But when you're not, it's not so amazing. (laughs) People claim to know God. People can say they believe in God. But God's word declares that the way we live will reveal our true relationship with him and it's going to come out our mouth look at church it's not just what i say on sunday it's not what i just say around christian people what comes out of my mouth is going to show the trueness of my heart let's go back to that scripture for just a second when we look back in proverbs god hates a person who sows discords in a family god hates a lying tongue words matter He says, don't be a false witness, all these things, right? Well, let's go back up into Luke chapter 6. And again, I'm going to say for those of you that think the Word of God is hard to understand, please listen to the Scriptures. This is Jesus talking. We did this in our uh, men's uh, Zoom study that we have on Wednesday nights, and we have a lot of the meetings and small groups and Bible studies. If you access our app or the website, you'll see all those things. So let's move along. Luke 6. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit everybody on page right now i mean they're pretty simple to understand okay so let's go on this is jesus talking a tree is identified by its fruit figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes we're we're right here with common sense right now jesus like it is what it is and it's going to produce what's in it Okay, pretty simple to understand. He's going to keep talking. Now listen, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I mean, Jesus is like, this is just smackdown right here, isn't it? (laughs) He's like, look, man, your life is going to show who you are and who you serve and who you really are doing and what are you thinking, right? He's like, it's going to be obvious and everybody around you is going to know it. And he's saying, so why are you just saying stuff when your life's not living it out? Don't just tell me you're following me. Follow me. (laughs) Live the life. Stop saying, oh, Lord, Lord, and you're not living it. I mean, Jesus is calling us out. And he's saying, your life 
needs to be lived according to what I say. And the words that come out of your mouth is going to show you and everyone else whether your heart is right with me or not. Because what's there is coming out here. And that is why he said he detests those things that come out of our mouth that are not right, that don't go according to his word, that are not from the heart of God himself. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth today. Just think back for a minute. The words that you were speaking. This week, think about the words that were coming out of your mouth. As you drove to church, as you came to church, as you whatever happened, as you went to the store of work and whatever was going on in your week, listen to the words that came out of your mouth. Jesus tells us, like, what was coming out is what's in. So therefore, when something comes out that's not right, first off, the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to us and God is revealing something so that you and I can examine ourselves and ask God to reveal what is going on in here. I need to be made right. James chapter 4, 7 through 10, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Church, stop giving in so easy. He's like, resist him. He's a liar. Just because he dropped some dainty morsel into your lap that you so desperately want to share with someone else, so much so that you want to spiritualize it, it's like, wake up, man. Who do you think that's from? Right? I mean, it's God's word. He's talking to us. He's like, man, resist him. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Be close to God. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. That's all in James 4. Again, he's like, why would you do this, man? You need to come close to God. You need to get it right with God. Let God be the one that lifts you up the right way. Stay humble before him. So God's word clearly calls us to an examination of self, an examination of our motives, an examination of our actions, an examination of our words, our daily lives, and how we live for God and what is going on. We have to take a stand for the truth of God. We need to resist the enemy's temptations and get close to God. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says this, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord's return. And it's pretty funny that there's a dash that says that. It's like, you should be waiting on God. <laughs> For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. All right, now that's, well, the Holy Spirit's good with his word, right? It's convicting. He's like, man, the darkest secrets are gonna come to light. So, you know, he's not like, man, there's nothing hidden. Everything is transparent before God. What you've been saying, what you're doing, your life, it's all open to God. And he says it to us. So he's calling us and saying, look, guys, it's so easy. 
to see how people are, right? Isn't it easy to just look at someone and know who they are and where they are and what they're all about? It's like the very first thing that we all have flashed through our mind as soon as we see someone. If we see someone that we perceive to be less than us, we immediately categorize them as less than us. And if we see someone that maybe is driving a nicer car than us or pulls into a house that's nicer than ours or dressed a certain way, we assess them as what they are, right? So we have this built-in idea of judging people and categorizing where everybody's at. That's a, it's, we need to understand that that's like the first temptation the enemy gives to us, isn't it? Right? So now I'm looking at someone that is in the church. So I used Eric and Ashley in the last service. They're my niece and nephew over here. And like we're assessing them. So I told the team, I'm telling you all, I've had people, by the way, I just want the worship team to know that they write about me too, not just you guys. You know, I've had people write to me and tell me who I am, who they perceive me to be and how I need to change. Um, you know, I mean, I have people that don't even know me. I don't even know who they are. They visited the church and they're like, you're this, that, and the other thing, and you dress like this, and you act like this, and you need to change. And it's like, okay. Um, anyway, so I'm kind and considerate back to them and just say, you don't know me. You don't know our church, but you're welcome to come back if you'd like to. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, they did this about the worship team as well. I've had them write me saying, you know, how they think or perceive our worship team or people on the worship team and writing and saying like, you know, this is wrong and this, their life is wrong. And it's like, you don't even know them. And I just simply write back and say, you don't know those people. You know nothing about them. And you're wrong in your assessment. And you, you should step back from yourself and understand that what you're doing is wrong. Okay, and I mean, I say it lovingly and kind. And then I'm like, Lord Jesus, help them to repent so that they know who you are. I mean, whatever. People are always going to say stuff. So let's go back over here to Eric and Ashley. So they're my niece and nephew. And so, I mean, I'm close. They lived with us for five months when they first moved to Tucson. So I know a lot about them. And so, you know, like in that living together moment, like I may have seen something in Ashley's life that's like messed up, right? So I said I might have. Just to... <laughs> So, of course, you know, being the spiritual man of God that I am, I'm going to go to Eric. <laughs> and I'm going to talk to Eric because, you know, like, there's a lot of reasons I wouldn't talk to Ashley. I'm not, I'm not biologically her uncle. I'm a man. She's a woman. I shouldn't really go to her privately and talk to her about what's wrong with her. So I'm going to go over and talk to Eric and say, Eric, I love you, buddy. You know, man, you know, I just, I'm troubled in my heart because Ashley, you know, she needs help. So I'm like spiritualizing it, right? And I'm going to Eric and I'm telling him what's wrong with his wife. So is that planting discord in the family? Something God hates? But wait a minute. I'm really concerned for her spiritually. I'm, I'm concerned enough that I want him to know so that he can deal with it <laughs> so that their marriage will be better. See, I can make every justification and sound super spiritual in doing so, <laughs> but I'm wrong because, see, I'm not doing what God's Word says. Instead, what I'm doing is what God hates. 
I'm going to Eric to plant seeds of negativity about his wife. Now, if his wife did have a problem, then God's word says that I should go and talk to her about what I've seen in her life. But before I do that, I should probably go look in the mirror. And the problem might actually be in me. So when I go to God first, before I go to Eric or Ashley, I go to God first. And I'm like, God, I don't know if you saw it or not, but you know what I saw Ashley doing? <laughs> now, nothing happened when they live with us like this. I'm using this all as an allegory, all right, just so you know. But like I'm talking to God about this, and I'm saying, look at her, God, look at her. You know, we got to fix this. And the Spirit of God settles in, and he's like, hey, Dave, what's going on? <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit now has access to me because now I'm opening myself to God and talking to him about a situation. I came to him completely wrong, but he's so good. And he's like, Dave, you know, you got that beam sticking out of your eye? And I want to remove that. And pretty soon God reveals in me what's wrong with me. And so then when I confess that to the Lord and he pulls that beam out of my eye and then I look over at Ashley and I'm like, oh, it's not really what I saw. Things aren't really like what I thought they were. Because see, what was wrong was something in me, not in her. See, when we go to God first for self, then God has the opportunity to deal with us and God maybe had me see something because he was trying to reveal something in my life. see all it takes is a glance and as I see that whatever that may have been and God's like you know Dave you need to deal with this and I'm like I sure do Eric we got a problem <laughs> and God's like no 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 I'm not in that actually I hate that see the enemy's the one that tempts us to not only think that we know what's wrong with someone else but to tell someone else what's wrong with someone else with good motives, of course, because I want everyone to be right. God's word declares that our darkest secrets will be brought to light. Our private motives will be made known. The truth of the matter is whenever we're talking about someone else, it's because of something what's wrong with me, and I'm trying to feel better about myself. I really am. That's the reason why we do that. See, in Galatians 6, this is God's word. Listen, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person. You mean I can't just tell Eric for him to deal with his wife? No. And not only that, he tells me, if I actually see them sin, Oh, so it's not just that I don't like something about them? Or they don't do everything the way I like them to do it? No, it's if they sin, I go to them. Quit with your pettiness, right? I mean, it's the word of God. If another believer is overcome by sin, you go to them. I don't like the way he wears their hair. Eric, good grief, man. When are you going to get a normal man's haircut, dude? Come on. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? right what does that have to do with anything <laughs> sorry that one just came out I mean it was a, now that I have my hair short I could talk about hair you know what I mean so 
uh, for my 60th birthday. I said, I'm going to get my hair cut just like his. So dear brothers and sisters, you don't like it. I'm sorry. You can talk to Jesus. Anyway, if another believer is overcome by sin, you are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Oh, so we're not just coming to condemn them? No, we're humbly and gently coming to bring them in alignment with the Spirit of God. And listen to what it says. Listen, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Share each other's burdens in this way. Obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Anybody having a hard time understanding what God's Word's saying to us right now? <laughs> you're like, you need to humble yourself, man. You're not all that, dude. You need to understand. You need help. You need help. And yes, they may need help. But you need to gently and humbly go to them to try and help them just to get them back in being right with God. Be careful. Pay careful attention. I'm going back to the scripture. Sorry. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. <laughs> so I don't, not only do I not need to measure up to anyone else, doesn't matter. I've got to just make sure that what I'm doing is right with God. I'm doing it God's way. I'm being godly in what I act like, what I say, and what I do. And then if I'm doing all that, God's saying like, hey, when you do that, I'll lift you up. I will honor you. Yeah. Okay, so we do need to speak to people that are, are living in sin. God's word tells us to, right? So we don't just let people wander off in sin and go and fall into hell. Of course not. It's not about judging this is not about judging. It says when you see someone in sin, it's pretty obvious in disobedience to God, right? Then you humbly and gently go and talk to them. And the purpose is to get them right with God. Not to like score points and say, like, I saw this in your life, you know. Let's continue to read what the Word of God says here. In Colossians chapter 1. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What more could be said, church? I mean, God's word continuously is calling us and telling us our life matters, our words matter that we need to be living in obedience to God, not self, not the church, not the world, to God himself. And so the, the standard has been set by him. And how we live and what we say and what we do and what all of it matters. So as we jump to the very last book of the Bible in the book of Revelation, and we come to this climactic moment in chapter 20. And remember, this is a vision from God to the church. Right? To the church. Listen to what it says. John's writing to the church a vision that God gave him. And I saw a great, great white throne 
and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Like what we're getting right now is a glimpse of the majesty of God, of the incredible godness of who he is. And the fact of the matter is his very presence is so awe that even creation is like, sucking in their breath with the presence of God. Listen to a church. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened. Did you see the plural? Listen, church. He says the books were opened. God has a library of books. And the books were opened, including the book of life. So we're not just talking about the book of life singular. It is part of what's being opened, but it's only part of what's being opened, church. Please hear that. God's word is telling us there is a book of life, singular, and then there's books. And when everybody's before the throne, both small and great, not just one book's going to be open, but all the books are going to be open. Listen to what he says here, church. And the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Plural. Your life matters. What you do matters. What you say matters. God has over and over and over through Scripture told us that the way we live reflects our relationship with Him. And if our life doesn't reflect a relationship with Him, we don't have a relationship with Him. Listen to it, church. This is the Word of God as we read this. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown to the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell's real. Hell's real. People are going there. And they're going to go there by their own choice, their own life, the things that they did or didn't do, and the way they lived. Church, we need to wake up to this and understand that our life matters. The words that are coming out of our mouth shows what's in our heart. Our relationship with God is to be reflected in every aspect of who we are and how we live. Therefore, God is calling to us, church, and saying, look, I'm going to hold you accountable for your life. Do you understand? And therefore, when we hear this, God is calling us and saying, you need to get right with me in every aspect. Nobody can live a new life without the first surrender to Jesus Christ and accepting Him as Lord and Savior. No doubt about that. See, only through the Holy Spirit's power can you and I ever live what God's called us to live. If there was any other way, Jesus would have never had to die. There is no other way. You and I can't live a life worthy of God's call or measuring up to His standard without surrendering ourselves and allowing Him to be Lord of our life. 
And it is only in that moment that the Holy Spirit can fill us so that we have the power of the resurrected Christ within us so that we live the life, speak the words, know the truth, and be the truth that God's called us to be. It's all there. Therefore, church, we need to measure up. Stop being the things and doing the things God detests, and let's start being the church he died to make us. Let's be a family of God, not a family of discord. We are clearly called by God to live this new life. Don't you agree? How are we doing? Church, the, the altar's open, man. If the Spirit of God has spoken to you about anything today that you need to get right with Him or get out of His way or whatever it is, man, the altar's open. Please respond to Him. Respond to Him. Maybe He just made you aware of a beam in your eye. Yeah, man, He'll come and pluck that thing right out of there if you let Him. Maybe you do know someone that's living in sin and doing what's wrong. And maybe the Spirit of God is talking to you about going to them. And you'd rather go to someone else. No. God's calling you today. And He's saying, gently and humbly go. Speak in love for the purpose of dragging them back into the path of God. Yeah. Doing the right thing the right ways for the glory of God, church. For the glory of God. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the power and the truth of your word. We pray that we would live accordingly. And God, that we would be the church you died to make us in every way. Be the Christian you died to make us, Lord. It's our prayer. Forgive us, God, for planting discord in your family. Oh, God. us to speak life and healing restoration and hope to be the church that you died to make us God please God we're asking for a move we need a move of God we need a healing in the church we need a healing in our families we need a healing in our nation Holy Spirit move we give this to you today we surrender we love you we thank you for it is in Jesus name we pray Thank you for being here today. The altar's open always. Please talk to the Lord. He loves you. God bless you.